Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Tempo Talks podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Aaron. We're excited to have you on today. We have a um, pretty cool guy jumping on, Hayden Hawks, who, not just the world famous ultra trail runner, but also Aaron's coach. I mean, yeah, that's, it's such a hard task I, to coach me. I can, you know, I, I can just imagine how difficult it is for him so uh yeah i'm excited to have him on <laughs> well i can attest aaron is a handful to work with that's for sure no, i'm just <laughs> kidding aaron you're fantastic uh but no in today's episode um we really we dive deep into hayden's experience at the carbon x2 event that he ran this past weekend out in arizona um, of course it was a 100k world record attempt um spoiler alert he ends up uh, dropping out around 70k so uh, we get into like what happened out there, what his experience was, and then we look to the future, right? He's got a really, really big dream goal of his um, coming up in June that aligns quite closely with uh, one that I'm working towards as well. And um, it's really just a fascinating conversation about running life, um, talk about fatherhood, um, ins- inspiration. Um, it really checks all the boxes in terms of what you want to hear um, on a running podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, good time. And Hayden's fun to talk to. And he's obviously a super fun athlete to follow. I mean, most people, uh, I was going to say most people know him now. Most people know him because of what he's done, but a lot of people were introduced to him at the, uh, Miller versus Hawks video, uh, run steep, get high put out a couple years ago, uh, when he faced off with Zach Miller at the North face 50. Um, so yeah, it's a great conversation. I, uh, really appreciate his guidance and coaching and I appreciate him taking the time, uh, to, uh, to talk with us and, uh, yeah, follow Hayden, um, wherever, uh, you are on social media. Yep. You can follow Hayden on Instagram Hawks underscore Hayden. Um, posts a lot of amazing pictures of his trail running, not just across the world, but in his home state of Utah. And uh, yeah, we just can't wait to get into this conversation. So let's hop to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Tempo Talks podcast. We're excited that you're joining in today for uh, a very highly anticipated episode. I feel like I'm saying that a lot now, Ryan, because... uh, it seems like the last few guests we've had have been highly anticipated, but uh, I'm excited, super excited today to have my friend, my coach, and someone that I'm a fan of, uh, none other than Hayden Hawks on the podcast. Hayden, welcome to Tempo Talks, man. Glad to have you. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, I'm a little tired today, but uh, recovering as best I can. Uh, I just barely woke up actually <laughs> now, but excited to be on the, the talk and uh, yeah, should have a good, good session here. Yeah. So when I, uh, when I text you to ask you about it, I know you, you were like, let's not make it too early. So I was going to joke and, you know, send back like a 7am too early, but, <laughs> yeah. but you've had a, You've had quite the uh, quite the weekend, and so we definitely uh, want to talk about that. I just got to ask, starting off, how you're feeling uh, physically? Are you, you recovering? And I know we're only two days removed from your big event, but how's uh, how's the recovery going? Uh, yeah, they like mentally. Uh, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty good. The fatigue's actually not too bad. Um, it's just muscular wise, like my quads are just shot. They're completely shredded. Um, it beat me up pretty bad on a muscular level, I would say. 
And so, yeah, I, I, I can barely walk. I can't go downstairs. Um, just trying to uh, get over that, but we'll see what happens. Uh, all I can say is road ultras are, are pretty tough. They're really hard on the body, um, but I'll do another one someday, you know, and, and uh, I'm excited to, uh, to prepare better next time. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, we definitely want to get into talking about the big uh, Carbon X2 event that you just did, the 100K world record attempt that you and a couple of your Hoka teammates were, uh, you know, going after. But um, I just want to start by kind of talking about your transition to Hoka, uh, back to Hoka. You were with them, you left for Ultra and then came back to Hoka. And so um, just wanted to get a little insight into that uh, and how you feel now being back wearing wearing the Hoka gear. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I mean, Hoka is an amazing company. I mean, all you that, all the people that streamed in and watched the, the Carbon Project X2 can probably see that, you know, that they're invested in the sport, you know, they're really, really um, trying to grow the sport and do all that they can to, to make the sport more popular. And they're always innovating. They're always finding new ways to help us as athletes, you know, get better and uh, have better performances. And they're putting on events, you know, like the Carbon Project X2, which is an amazing event. And, you know, they, they took care of us. I mean, it was an awesome event. Like we, we were put up in this, you know, resort in Phoenix and, um, they went through all the, the proper procedures to make sure we were tested and safe. Um, the food was amazing. The, the, it was just a really awesome environment and the best way that you could probably prepare for a race. And so like, and then the, the streaming and everything else they did was just top notch. And so Hoka is an amazing company. I, I, I really enjoy working with them. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of just people that I look up to in the company um, from the founders to the, you know, the, the CEO and the owners. I mean, it's, it's amazing um, how it's, it's like a family. It's a big family and, and nobody kind of sees themselves better than anybody else, which is really cool with Hoka. And, and the most important thing with Hoka with me and the reason I went back is I love the product. Um, it keeps me healthy. I'm able to train on a, a much higher level because of it and, and stay healthy. And it's, it's just an amazing product and it, it's the best product I've, I've tried over the years. I believe Hoka is coming up on 10 years of existence um, this year. Because um, when I tuned into the to the Carbon X2 event, they brought on, I think, one of the original founders and just talking about the history of Hoka in general. And man, to see, and this isn't the culmination of Hoka this week or this past weekend, right? But the uh, to see where they're at now with the quality of athletes like yourself, Hayden, and to take it back to 2011 when like they were just a brand new shoe company in in the minimalist running world that was all the the craze back then and they were coming in on in the complete opposite direction and really shifted the entire industry um and now literally i mean i, I would put them in the top, at least the top three in terms of players um really worldwide um in the running shoe industry so i want to know though um beyond hoka um when you were kind of making the decision to to part ways with ultra were there any other offers that you were entertaining or were, were your eyes set on hope coming back to hoka yeah you know you mentioned uh nico he's he's one of the founders of hoka and he's the one that was on the podcast 
me and Nico are really, really good friends. Um, you know, when I was with Hoka before, I, I went and stayed out in Chamonix for almost three to four months. Um, was doing some training out there. And Nico's from France. And so we got to know each other really well. And he took care of me out there. You know, I went and stayed at his house. We, you know, he let me borrow his car, you know. And we just had this amazing connection. You know, I'd go do all these runs out in the mountains with him. And he'd show me the area and talk to me about the history of, of the sport. You know, a lot of people don't know, but Nico is a, was an amazing runner himself and is still really good, um, you know, for his age. He's, he's been, I think, top five uh, at UTMB. Um, and so, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, the, the people in the company are athletes themselves, you know, and I think that's what they, they're able to really innovate and, you know, build the brand because of that, because they know the sport. And, uh, to answer your question, no, there was no other companies I was looking at. Um, when I left ultra, I wanted to go straight back to Hoka um, I knew the product worked. I, I loved the company. I loved the athlete manager, the founders, everybody else in the company. It was, it was like going back to family and I wanted to, to move back home, you know, and, and that's all I wanted to do was go back to Hoka. They were the only company I looked at. Yeah. So Hoka, like Ryan's already alluded to, has made a huge splash and just shot to the top. And I, I've, you know, kind of experienced or experimented a little bit with some of their shoes. Uh, the Rencon uh, recently got the Speed Goat, which Ryan and I both wore at Bandera. Uh, I'm curious, uh, as you were gone, because you were, what, about a year and a half, two years with Ultra? Is that right? Yeah, yeah almost two years. Okay. So in that two-year span, was there a shoe that came out maybe that wasn't in prototype or that you didn't get a chance to play with before you left uh, that you were really excited to put on your feet? Uh, probably the Evo Speed Goat. You know, I was such a huge fan of the Evo Speed or the, the Speed Goat, the, the original Speed Goat when I was with Hoka uh, at, at first. You know, I, I won CCC in Lavaredo in the Speed Goat. You know, that was my go-to shoe for ultra marathon, you know, mountain, especially mountain ultra marathon. The traction's amazing. I'm from Utah, and so Carl Melter is, is a friend of mine, and so you know he he innovated and, and he brought that shoe to you know to where it is today, and so like uh, I've always been a big fan of Carl, and so that was always my go-to shoe, and the Evo Speed Go came out when I was with Ultra, and that was a shoe that was like man I gotta try this you know it's even lighter <laughs> than the original but it has the same kind of structure and a cushion that that the other one had and i've i've since tried it of course and it's my favorite trail shoe uh now yeah that shoe like had the hype of like a of like a nike shoe you know like it, it, even though the marketing wasn't necessarily on the same level i feel like the hype behind the shoe was was so big it took me probably like i i have a pair and it took me i don't know a couple tries as they would drop them, you know, as they would get more in stock to actually get my hands on a pair, but it's a, a fantastic shoe. So, so it's awesome that you're back with Hoka. I, I love Hoka and it's cool. It, it almost seems like familiar, you know, seeing you in the Hoka gear and, and the Hoka across your chest. So, um, I want to talk about obviously the carbon X2 event and, uh, and, 
like how you approach that coming back. Did you already have a little bit of insight into that event happening again as you were making the decision to come back? Or was that something that was kind of sprung on you? And then uh, did you did that immediately become a goal uh, with the world record attempt and things like that? Yeah, um, when I when I first started negotiating with Hoka again was in about October um, of 2020. And when I first started talking to my athlete manager, he was like, yeah, we're going to put on this uh, world record attempt, Carbon Project X2. You know, you might have seen the original one in Sacramento. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I actually really wanted to be a part of that event. But of course, I couldn't because I was with Ultra. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, well, you're getting another chance. Like, if you want to do it, let's do it. And so quickly talked to my coach and he was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, there's nothing else going on right now. Uh, this is going to be a big, you know, event and a great opportunity to chase a world record. I'd always had a goal of chasing a world record and, and breaking a world record. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's go full board and, and into it. So I started the training for it in October, uh, did a good block. Uh, we, we had, we had put JFK down as a preparation race to get me ready for the world record. And so I used JFK as kind of a tune-up and a, and a build-up going into the world record and had a great performance there. Um, maybe had a little residual fatigue from that going into Carbon you know, Project X2. I, I look back at it now and maybe. Um, but yeah, you know, that was always the big goal. Um, but I can say, you know, like I, I prepped good, but... I made some mistakes in my training that I just didn't know because I've never ran a road ultra. I didn't know the demands of a road ultra. I didn't know how hard it was on the body. And I just didn't prep myself the, in the right way. I made some training mistakes, but I learned from that and, and I'll be able to use some of those things I learned going into my next road ultra that I do in the future. What were some of those mistakes that you think you made in preparation for it? Well, you know, I was so focused on um, getting as fast as I possibly can. And, and to be honest with you, with some of my workouts and everything else I was doing, you know, I was in really good shape marathon-wise. Um, the speed was there. The economy was there. The turnover was there. Um, you know, I was probably in, and, and still am, of course, it's only two days after, but I was probably in, you know, 210 to 212 marathon shape I would project um, that's what my coach told me and I felt like that I was fast but I didn't meet the demands of the pounding of the pavement and the the length of of what it takes to pound the pavement you know um, my quads just blew up on me at about 60k in I started feeling some some pain in the quads and they started tightening up so I started going into to the aid stations, taking some more electrolytes, thinking it was cramping, and it just didn't go away. I, I downed a really disgusting hot shot, but uh, <laughs> it didn't help at all. <laughs> and I tried everything. You know, I sat in an aid station for almost 20 minutes trying to get my quads to move, to, to function, and they would not go. My knees tightened up, and just, it was the pounding, you know, like, probably had some micro tears from just the pounding in the quads and they just did not want to react. And so I, I, I would like if going back in my training, I would have done more vert. Um, I would have went to the Grand Canyon, did some, some big descents down into the Canyon, some, 
some uh, downhill road running. You know, I could have used the marathon, St. George Marathon course to do some downhill tempos and just really build my quads and strengthen my quads because even though it was flat, on a road ultra, you, you use your quads quite a bit. And when your quads go, you can't do anything. And so I needed to train my quads better. Um, I needed to focus a little bit more on some of the strength aspects going into it rather than the speed and just meet those demands that it would take to, uh, to run a, a road ultra. Yeah. And the, the fact that it's a flat surface the entire time, from what I saw on the, uh, and I need to go check out the Strava data, but on the actual stream, there's, there's no hills out there. Right. And then you've adapted so dang well post-college the last four to five years with the varied terrain on trail, right? Going up, down, sideways, every step is different and you're stressing different parts of the body throughout the event, which, you know, can, there's a lot of fatigue from that too, but at the same time, um, you know, your, your quads don't take the same pounding in the same exact spot at the same time for, you know, ideally six straight hours. Um, so I think that's something that's really interesting. And when you talked about like what you would do to combat that, yeah, my mind went to downhill road running, right? And you mentioned the St. George Marathon. I think that that would have prepared your quads really well. And it's not, not as long, right? I mean, maybe you pushed out to 50K and you're really just hitting a few thousand feet of downhill during that. But um, yeah. I know that's something personally, like I, I would love to compete for the U.S. Um, in the 50 or 100K champs in the fall later this year. And I'll definitely be maybe asking you some questions after this pod on uh on some prep and chatting with david about that if selected yeah, yeah. i know. think david knows more now because of my blow up and because of you know what happened to me i i think it'll help other athletes like yourself ryan you know and and you know we learned we we talked about it after you know we've been texting back and forth and and we learned from this experience and you know it's so hard to to prep for something that you've never done before and um you never really know, you know, even Jim told me that he had some issues in the first carbon project X with his quads, you know, from the pounding of the pavement. Um, you know, that being said, like I felt great fitness, like honestly, this, the, the pace felt super sustainable and I, I felt like I wasn't really working that hard out there. You know, my nutrition was on point. Everything felt great. It just was that muscular, you know, fatigue or that muscular beating up. And, uh, you know, so like I, I could always change things, but I, I'm definitely happy for the experience I had and, you know, the things I learned. And, you know, also like I, I probably could have done a little bit more prep in the shoes. Um, the shoes make you run a little bit differently, you know, and, and they make you run fast and very, very efficient. They're super responsive, which is great, but they make your, your biomechanics and your form just a tad bit different because it's getting you more into that like you know, that propelled forward motion. And I, and that puts a lot of strain on the quads and I just didn't do enough prep in the shoes. I didn't do enough pavement running. Um, I have a hard time running on pavement cause I am a trail runner. And so that, that makes it difficult for me, but also just like I needed to do that. And, and so I'll, I'll learn and, and do that. Cause I, I, I want to do comrades, you know, I want to do some of these road ultras in the future. And this will teach me, you know, so I can be ready for a race like Comrades. I was going to ask if Comrades was one that was on your 
like on your radar in the future because that's one that has come up a lot recently. But um, I'm curious, and you've kind of alluded to this a little bit, but how did you feel going into the event? Your confidence seemed really high, you know, and I don't know if that was just perceived as a fan, you know, watching your, you know, what you're saying online and stuff like that. But did, did you feel, you know, standing on the starting line of the Hoka event that you had a world record in your legs and, you know, the preparation was there? Um, you know, did you feel that mentally at least before the start? Oh yeah. I felt the utmost confidence because I was fit, you know, <laughs> like when you're, when you feel like you're in 210 marathon shape, you feel on top of the world, you know, you feel, you feel pretty dang fit. And you're like, wow, like I can do anything right now. Like my speed, my workouts, everything has indicated that I'm, I'm fast, I'm fit, you know, and, and I feel good. You know, my taper went well, I, I felt fresh, felt ready to go. My body just couldn't handle the demands, you know, of the, of like I, like I talked about with the pavement. And so like I felt great all the way through almost 50k. I mean, I hit 50k and was like, man, this is easy. Like this is feeling good. Like I, I feel like I, I'm in a good place right now. And and I was just like, you know, this is this is gonna be a good day. Like I can break this world record. I kept telling myself that and kept thinking like, I can break this world record. You know, I was sitting there having a conversation with Nick Hogger, one of the Pacers, and and me and Jim were talking back and forth for that first 50k and it it felt super sustainable and really easy. And I felt like the world record was there, but then all of a sudden 60 K, you know, it, it just changed. Boom. And I started smacking my quads. A lot of people said they saw that on the video and I was smacking my quads because trying to wake them up or something. Cause I was like, what just happened? Like I went from feeling amazing and like I was on world record, you know, shape to I can barely run and my quads feel like they're like 500 pounds you know, and, and it was just like, all of a sudden there was just a click and, but that's ultra marathon. It happens sometimes. And, and, uh, you know, it's the confidence was there and the confidence is still there. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and beat myself up over this event. Like the motivation is even higher now. And I know that this was going to prepare me and help me going into Western States. Have you experienced that feeling in other ultras before? Um, and I know when I looked at your ultra sign-up history, Hayden, and of course I like I had a, I generally knew like what races you had done. My favorite personally is the uh, the North Face, ma- mainly for that Zach Miller duel and the YouTube video that's out there. If anyone hasn't seen that, I mean personally, probably my favorite trail ultra running video on the internet. I mean, just epic how much of the race they captured with you guys. Um, but you hit the scene well right from the start and I couldn't really pick out anything from your ultra sign-up history where maybe you had experienced that feeling before so I'm curious if maybe or maybe even what what was your toughest race experience before this past uh carb next two event yeah I've never really experienced this feeling before um I've had you know bonking I've had nutrition issues you know where I went into a little state of hypernitremia because I was getting too much electrolytes or too much water and whatnot and and so i've had issues before with bonking and and some nutrition problems and and just feeling fatigued and tired but i've never had it to where it was localized to literally one muscle group you know and and that muscle group would not function like it was like having an injury but it wasn't an injury right like it it was weird like it was like 
you know, that feeling where your, your IT band or something locks up on you and you literally cannot move your leg. Like your, your knee locks up and you just can't move. Like you're there mentally, but you cannot go because physically your muscle will not function. And so I've never had that before, um, you know, and so it was a weird experience because I was hungry and I was just so ready to finish that race. And I was like, I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to keep running. But it was just boom, gone. And I, I couldn't do it. And uh, I couldn't even walk, you know, and I was like, I'm not going to walk for 30K, like, like hobbling and limping for 30K. It's not, it's not going to work. And so, um, yeah, it is just different. Like I'd say the hardest, uh, experience I had before this might've been, um, uh, Lavaredo, even though I won the race for the last like 20 K of that race, I bonked super, super hard and went into a state of just like hypernitremia where I was getting too much electrolytes and not enough water. I was dehydrated and bonked. And I got dizzy and I literally ran the last 12 miles of that race with the world like spinning around me. And I don't know how I made it to the finish line, but somehow I fought through that. And I ended up getting to the finish line and just like collapsing because I like the, the, the ground was just moving like all over the place and I couldn't even like stand straight. So yeah, that was hard and really, really hard on my, my mental side of things. But physically... Uh, this was probably one of the harder experiences I've had. Yeah, Hayden, I've had I had a pretty similar experience at the Olympic trials um, in 2020, and although not as far as what you attempted recently, um, I kind of you shooting for that world record, right? It's something that you think is attainable on the right day, and I saw my fitness going into the Olympic trials um, that hey, like I'm in 211, 212 shape, and there's plenty of other guys who are also in that shape or even better, but you know, if you just throw your hat in the ring, even if there's a one, two, three percent chance, it's worth taking that shot. Um, and I did that there, and I had severe hamstring cramps, which I've never experienced before, just like you with the quads, uh, starting at like mile 16 to the point where I ran through it to mile 21, and then it was so windy. I had a really severe hamstring cramp in my left leg. The wind blew me from the side and I blew my leg into the other leg and I fell and hit the pavement and I couldn't get back up. Um, as I like, I was forced to drop out cause I just literally couldn't run anymore. Um, but I think it's important for people to realize out there and take away from what Hayden said. And even my experience of coming back from that, refocusing on Bandera and doing well there is that don't let these experiences get you down, right? Like we all take our shots. We fail sometimes and sometimes we break through and have like PRs and dream performances, but you have to keep trying. That's the point. I think if, if everybody in the world gave up after they failed once, like we'd still be in the stone age, right? We would nothing, nothing would ever be accomplished. <laughs> um, and I think you could even look at, you know, Jim this past weekend, right? He took his shot. Damn. So close. Watch that final minute. If that doesn't motivate you to go out there and chase your dreams, I don't know what will. And he's, I know he motivates me seeing him do the same thing at Western States and some of these other record attempts that he's done. Um, so I guess I just want to leave all yeah. the listeners with like, chase your freaking dreams and keep trying, keep getting up when you fall down. Oh, for sure. For sure. And this is the thing is yeah. Jim's yeah. had bad races too. You know, he's DNF Western States. He's, he's DNF UTMB, you know, he's had bad performances over the years and, but he's always, he always shoots his shot. You know, he, he always goes out there 
and, and tries to push the limits and pushes the boundaries. And sometimes it works great, like this last weekend. Um, sometimes it doesn't, you know, and, and I've had DNFs, you know, I think this is my fourth DNF I've had in the last five years. So not many, but every time I've had a DNF, I've used it as motivation of like, okay, what can I do? How can I get better? You know, a couple of those DNFs came up because of injury. Um, you know, one came because of, of a bonk, a serious bonk, and then this one. And it, it's like every time I had a DNF, I got back even stronger. And I had some of my best performances I've ever had in my career after a DNF. And I, I learned and I, I went back to the drawing boards. I wrote down my goals again. And I, I, I looked over my training and I said, okay, what can I change? How can I prepare better? And they've motivated me to be better. And, and I've become such a better athlete because some of those DNFs or some of those bad races that I've had. And I'm going to have more bad races. It's just, what, it's just what it is, right? You know, sometimes it happens. And sometimes there's things that you can't control. But you learn what you can control and you control those things for your next races. And it be, makes me be a, a better coach too when I have these experiences because now I know how to help my athletes to not have the same experiences. And so it's, it's life, right? Life goes on, you know, you, life always has these ups and downs and it, it's part of how we become better and, and how we, you know, become just better people overall. Yeah, I, I was going to say that I feel like your experiences have, you do translate those well when you have your coaching hat on because, I mean, we've been together now for over two years and I feel like you're constantly putting in some kind of, you know, lesson about a perceived failure. And when I say perceived failure, I mean like the outside may consider it a failure, even though you're considering it like a lesson. Uh, you know, you've, you're, you're putting those kinds of things into my mind as I'm trying to, you know, tackle harder uh, events or longer distances or bigger times. Um, and that's something that Ryan and I uh, talked about recently as well, just the idea of taking your shot, you know, running uh, a PR is not necessarily supposed to feel easy necessarily. So um, a world record I, shouldn't I'm feel curious. easy. <laughs> Uh, a world record definitely shouldn't feel easy. And I feel like we exactly. need to we need to acknowledge the fact that Jim did. I mean, he's the American record holder now. Like, that's a huge deal. Just I mean, just in and of itself. So it was pretty cool. And to this watch. is the crazy thing. I'll, um, I'll tell you guys real quick. So I'm actually texting back and forth with Jim this whole morning. And me and him are talking about our next training block and how yeah. we're going to we, we might hook up and do some training together actually um in this next training block and jim's already back on you know trying to like see what he needs to do next and and how he's gonna you know take those 12 seconds off and what he's gonna do right. to you know be a better athlete and i'm doing the same thing and we're helping each other and we're, we're talking about pushing each other and getting ourselves to another level you know and, and that's what it means to be a professional athlete that's what it means to to be you know the best that you can you can be you know you you have a great performance you're happy about it um you have a bad performance you're maybe sad about it but you move on and you try to become better and you do it you know sooner than later <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent. and and uh i, I gotta ask because we we do want to talk about the trails trails you know that's uh, where you spend a lot of your time but I feel like this is a dumb question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, do you think that the 100 
uh, 100K world record will be broken, and do you plan on on going after it again? Yeah, for sure. Yep, I, I, I think I am capable of breaking it. Um, I know that I can break it, and, and from the things I've learned now, I, I know how to better prepare myself. So yes, I will go after it again. I think it's definitely possible. You know, Jim, of course, was 12 seconds off. He could break it. I feel like I could break it. I feel like there's other athletes out there that can break it. And so hopefully, you know, fingers crossed that maybe Hoko puts on another, you know, Carbon Project X3 or whatever. You know, we'll see what happens with that. Or, or if we have to go out to Lake Saroma, you know, where the current world record is held right now, maybe we'll do that. But I, I'm definitely going to give it another shot and I'm going to try to break that world record. And it's it's not, yeah, you know, like just like I plan on going back to UTMB and trying to win UTMB, um, I, I plan on going back and, and running Transvolcania, even though I blew up at that race. I'm the type of person that when I blow up or have a bad experience, I'm not just going to like, yeah, push it off to the side and never do it again. It motivates me even more to go after it. And it's, I've already set goals of, yes, I will go after the 100K world record again. Man, Hayden, you're getting me jacked up right now to chase my goals. Uh, <laughs> after Bandera, I updated my running resume and put a lot of ultra running goals that have been in the back of my head onto my resume along with my accomplishments and sent it out to like potential sponsors I'm talking to and stuff. And um, a lot of them align with what you're talking about and it gets me really, really jacked up to uh, throw my hat in the ring, um, not only with you and Jim, but yeah, like you said, there's a lot of other athletes out there. The 100K on the road, in the US at least, it's such a, it's not an event that's contested hardly ever, which is probably why we haven't seen a lot of Americans really take their shot at it like what happened this past weekend. So I'm really excited for you and, and for everybody else. Um, but you, uh, I, I want to ask, before we move on from the Carbonex 2 event, any other like unique perspectives or like funny moments or anything like that that happened from the weekend that, that you want to share? Uh <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it was it was a fun fun experience, you know. And it's always good to get together with your teammates and and you know run some miles on the roads together. And we had a good time, you know. It was we were joking back and forth a lot during, you know. It it, it looked so serious probably online with the stream that we were all so focused and serious, but there was a lot of joking going around. You know, there was some some uh, some banter going back and forth with each other. The whole time we were trying to keep it light you know and and uh have a good time you know there was one point where jim was in the back of the pack and and uh you know he dropped off the back and people were probably like what the heck what's going on with jim well he had to go to the bathroom really really bad and uh he yells up to eric senseman and goes hey man is the camera off and eric's like yeah yeah i think the camera's off and so jim went to the bathroom you know he, he uh he found a way to uh to do it and we were all joking back and forth and, and having a good old time about it and we're talking about how we were dropping him and we were going to pick the pace up and, and uh, not let him come back and and then Eric comes back and Eric's like hey Jim actually the camera was on I thought it was off but it was on and so <laughs> hopefully no one saw anything but uh, yeah we had some some fun experiences and um, had a good time out there and you know, that's what it, that's what the running is all about is yes, we chase records, we have fun, we we're dedicated and trying to do the best that we possibly can. But we also are a community and that community is, is tight knit. And it's it's fun to be around. And uh, 
we're all brothers and, and, and having a good time out there. That's awesome and hilarious. That's hilarious insight into the things that you don't necessarily see happening in the moment. But um, is there any chance you're ever going to do a road marathon? Show them that uh, trail oh, runners aren't, aren't Maybe slow. not. <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe like when the next Olympic trials come out, like I might try to qualify, you know, to go to trials. I've always had that as a goal. Um, I don't think I can yeah. necessarily compete um, for a team, you know, for a spot, especially, you know, I'll be four years older than I am now, which isn't that old, but, you know, maybe someday, but I really don't have that that much of a desire to do a big road marathon block and go after a road marathon. Um, I love the trails way too much, you know, and me and Jim were even talking about this, you know, after the race and it's fun to train for these things. And, and yes, we, we enjoy it and we, we push ourselves to the limit training for these things. But when it all said and done, we love the trails. We love being in the mountains. You know, we love running around in the San Juans or in the Alps and, and getting vert and those are the type of blocks that I love to do uh, personally. Those are fun to me, you know, finding routes in the mountains and, and doing those type of things. And, and honestly, that's where I find the most joy in running is on the trails. And, and I think that's most important is to do what you love to do. For sure. Yeah. I, and I know that there's a soft spot in your heart, obviously, for Zion and, you know, some of the local trails around. But uh, one of the we put out a, you know, an ask for questions from people that follow the podcast. And one of the questions that we got is different variations of what's your favorite trail? What's your like ideal trail as far as um, do you like, you know, the switchbacks? Do you like a lot of climbing? Do you like like buffed out single track Um what 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 do you like running on as far as the trails are concerned and do you have a favorite a good mix of everything but i always it always seems like i always uh kind of gravitate more towards the vert you know the big mountain stuff like if i have an easy day and i'm like you know choose whatever trail you want to do it doesn't have to be you know it can be flat or vert or whatever i usually always do the vert you know i'll go run outside my my front door and climb up we have a big mountain out at our front door that gets up to close to 10,000 feet. And uh, I'll just climb up to the top of that. It's called Cedar Mountain. And that's one of my favorite runs is just run up to the top. The views are amazing up there. You can see the valley. And I mean, it just seems like you, it goes for miles and miles. I mean, you can see across the whole United States, it feels like. And uh, I just get up to the top there and, and then I turn around and run back down. Sometimes I push it a little harder going down. and. I probably should have done a little bit more of those runs uh, leading into this race. But yeah, you know, like runs like that are my favorite. I love running in Zion. One of my favorite trails in Zion is the, the West Rim Trail. Um, if I drive up Cedar Mountain, I can get to this place called Lava Point, which is maybe 30, 40 minutes away on dirt roads. And, and you start at Lava Point and you drop all the way down into the grotto which the grotto is where the Angels Landing Trail is in Zion, the famous Angels Landing. And I, I drop all the way down. It's like a 6,000-foot drop in maybe 12 miles or so. Um, and then I'll turn around or I'll get water at the grotto, you know, uh, drinking fountain, and then I'll turn around and climb right back up it. And so it's like kind of similar to the Grand Canyon, but a little longer descent, um, less vert. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's one of my favorite runs to do. It's amazing because you go from high alpine, 
beautiful alpine Zion at like, you know, I don't know, like 9,000 feet and you drop down into the, the cliffs in Zion, the big cathedrals down there. It has some of the most amazing views in the entire world. And that's probably my favorite trail, I would say, in southern Utah. You have a guest bedroom I can come uh, stay in? <laughs> anytime, dude, anytime. We, uh, yeah, we, have, we just renovated our basement. Got plenty of space down there. So anytime you want, bring your family out. <laughs> Well, well, I'll definitely, uh, I may take you up on that in the future. I was actually messaging. I need training partners. I need training partners. So if you want to come out for a Western States training block at altitude, just let me know. It's, it's awesome here too. Cause I live at 6,000 feet. I can 30 minutes. I can drop to 2000 feet in St. George and it gets up a hundred plus degrees, you know, in May, June area. So for heat training, it's perfect for Western States. But you can also be on the high alpine trails at like 10, 13,000 feet. And so let me know anytime. I, I've, I've always tried to convince someone to move to Cedar <laughs> City to train with me. But uh, it's affordable here. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. I can't really get anybody. <laughs> hey, Hayden, if, if you want to do heat training, man, you got you to gotta come out here to where we are. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that's different, man. That's more humid, isn't it? Is this like pretty humid, right? High, high heat, high humidity. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's dry heat it? here, which I think I like that a little bit better. <laughs> so you really have all the tools at your disposal where you live right now to train for Western States, which is like the next big A goal, you know, on your calendar. I did see, by the way, you mentioned earlier Lake Sonoma, which triggered in my mind Lake Sonoma, which I saw an ultra sign up you're also registered for. So um, why don't you just walk us through really quickly what's what's kind of like your, your plan. And, of course, we're just a couple days removed from the Carbon X2 event. So if you don't have, like, every detail down for the build to Western States or if you haven't talked over David yet, totally understandable. But, like, do you have an idea of what that build is going to look like for you? Yeah. I uh, uh, Yesterday I got home off the airplane, and I literally spent the entire night planning out what I'm going to do for Western States. <laughs> I looked over everything. I looked up routes that I want to do. And yeah. And then this morning, again, I was texting back and forth with David and we were going over stuff. So I have a good idea of what I want to do. I mean, of course I thought about this before too, but I'm, I'm pretty motivated for Western States and I want to be hundred percent ready. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, I plan on staying home and doing most of my training here because it's perfect. It's ideal. Like I said, I can get the, the, the heat training easily in a 30, 40 minute drive. Um, we have like a 30, 40 mile net downhill trail. That's almost exactly like the high country of Western States that I'll be able to run on and do a lot of my training on. And it's only 15 minutes from my house which is awesome. So I can do some of my long runs on that. Um, it has rollers just like Western States, some canyons that you drop into and drop and come out of. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's like the terrain and the availability of, of how I need to meet the demands of Western States are all right out my front door, which is awesome. And I think I'll probably actually do maybe a, a couple weeks uh, over on the north rim of the Grand Canyon as well training for Western States because the, the Grand Canyon, the North Rim is only two hours from my house. I have this little pop-up A-frame trailer that we like to camp in. And so we're thinking about going and spending some time on the North Rim 
and camping for a little bit at like 8,000 feet and uh, doing a lot of runs down in the Grand Canyon because the Grand Canyon, I mean, it's shown with Jared Hazen and Jim and all the, the Coconino Cowboys. It's, it's one of the most perfect places to train for Western states um, because you start high and it's cold usually up high and you drop all the way down into the canyon, these big long descent and it's super hot at the bottom of the canyon. So you get used to that change in temperature as well, going from cold to hot, which Western States has. Plus you get the high country up top and then you get more of the desert, you know, feel dry heat down low of the Grand Canyon. And then you're able to turn around and climb right back out of that. It simulates the canyons a lot at Western States. It simulates the heat. It's, it's a perfect place to train. So I'll probably do a lot there. Do some of the runs in Zion as well on the West Rim Trail, like I talked to you about, which also simulates really well. And I think the other thing is like, uh, um, yeah, just making sure I'm, I'm consistent with my training at home. I don't know what's going to be available to race. I don't think I'll actually do like Sonoma. It was a rollover from last year. And I think it might be a little too much for me going into States this year. I really want to focus on some, some high mileage training taking some risks, pushing boundaries a little bit during this block. And so staying home, not racing as much, and just preparing myself properly for Western States is going to be the key. And uh, might go out to the Western States training camp if it happens. But yeah, we'll see. Maybe do some local 50Ks. You know, they, they might happen around here. So that's my plans. Well, Hayden, if you're talking about pushing boundaries, and if anyone who's kept up with your training history knows... That means you're going to be doing 200 plus mile weeks, I'm assuming. So, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, not that, not that yeah. high, but there'll be high weeks. I, I, I need higher volume, I think, going into Western States. So, yeah, it'll do you some good. Um, Big vert weeks. I'm excited. So, you were already signed up for Western States last year because of your Black Canyon uh, win. How, I, I mean, I, it, it's silly to ask how disappointing it was that it canceled, but obviously we've been able to ebb and flow with all of the races and the situation just, you know, last year with the pandemic, how was your prep leading into last year? And what are you going to, are you going to, well, you kind of just answered the fact that you're going to do a little bit differently by racing less, but is there anything, you know, specific, maybe nutrition wise or something that we haven't already discussed that you're going to try to do differently, uh, from your prep last year? And did you feel confident going into Western States last year before it was canceled? Yeah, I felt pretty confident going into Western States last year. Um, I think it showed with my performance at Squaw Peak 50 miler, which is a pretty famous 50 miler out here in Utah. And I was able to break Carl Meltzer's record there. Um, that, and that's around the same week as Western States. So that was kind of, that was my backup race that I did when Western States got canceled. And, and so it showed that my fitness was there for sure. Um, but I feel like I'm even more prepared going into this year with some of the things I've learned from Carbon X, you know, two project and, um, my JFK performance and, and other things like that. My speed is as an, as an all time high, my fitness is a, is at an all time high. And so I can feel like I can build off of that, you know, having a whole full year of training got me to that level. Um, so yeah, like I, I feel even more prepared going into it this year. Uh, I definitely going to do more heat training. Um, Black Canyon taught me last year that I needed to do a little bit more heat training because it got up pretty hot towards the end and I, I struggled in the heat a little bit towards the end of that race. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, I'm learning from every race I do and I think 
I can bring all those things together to help prepare me properly for Western States. And uh, I feel really prepared and confident, but I'm also giving Western States the credit and the respect it deserves. You know, the weather can dictate a lot at Western States and I'm not going for a course record, you know, like it's my first Western States. Like it would be silly to think that I should go out there and try to run under Jim's time and break 14 hours or whatever. Like that's just not giving it the respect it deserves. Like I'm going to go out there and just shoot for the win and, uh, you know, run my race and, and run a smart, well strategized race and, and make sure I'm ready for the demands of the race. I think whenever you really dive into competition at races and kind of throw time you know, by the wayside, that's when sometimes your best time performances end up happening anyways, right? Um, Carbon X2 event, that's kind of like a totally different thing because there was one goal, and that's to break the, the world record, right? So that's everybody had their mind on that. But then once you get into events where whether it's a world marathon major or a big trail race or, you know, whatever it may be, you focus on winning. If you do that, the time will come. And then you're totally right. From the history I've read about Western states, um, you know, you may run in the 16s and win, and it might be one of the greatest performances in history. The time won't necessarily re- reflect that, but the record books and the people who are there understand, oh, yeah, it was 108 degrees in the canyons, and there was a lot of snow in the high country, right, that made it much more difficult than, you know, I, I heard that Jim's record a couple of years ago was pretty ideal weather, and that's why he was able to really drop it down. So I think you have a great perspective um, heading into it. And that's that's uh, indicative, too, of like what we saw with Boston, you know, when Des Linden won just uh, the conditions. I mean, I, I've I view her win as one of the best that I've seen, you know, since I've been following running for sure. So it's a unique perspective. Yeah. And I, um, I think you got to realize, too, like and I, I've kind of learned this over the years when I when I first came into the sport, I was pretty cocky, um, wasn't very humble. You know, it was it was good to kind of have that a little bit, that flair, I guess. But it was also got me into trouble quite a bit you know I would always shoot big and of course you need to shoot your shot like we talked about but you also need to give races respect and you need to be smart about how you go you know go into those races and and I've learned that over the years I've definitely matured a lot as a runner you know and and some of my best performances like you said Ryan have came off of not even thinking about the time not caring about the course record you know JFK for instance I wasn't even cared about the I didn't care about the course record and I ended up breaking the course record. CCC was the same exact way. I didn't care about that. I cared about the win, and I ended up breaking the course record at CCC. And it's like, I think like, I, I've always said this, and well, recently I, I, I really got this in my mind, is records are meant to be broken, and they're going to be broken. You know, people can take records away from you. Um, pe- no one can take a win away from you. Like, You know, you're always going to be a winner of Western States if you win the race, like, you know, but you can break a course record at Western States. And I guarantee at some point, the way that human humanity is and how we adapt and get faster, somebody's going to break Jim's record. It's just what it is. It might take a while, but someone's going to do it. And records can always be taken away from you. For sure. So, Hayden, uh, one of the questions that we got from a fan is uh, if there was a race out there that you haven't done yet that you would love to do. You obviously already mentioned Comrades. I don't know if that's like the the main one, but um, 
is there a a race that's like at the top of your bucket list yeah uh honestly the race that motivates me the most um i I mean i'd have to take it two ways because the race that motivates me the most is utmb and of course i've started utmb but i haven't finished utmb so i technically i haven't done that race because i've never finished it and so i would say utmb is my biggest motivation going out there and actually making that loop around mont blanc and finishing that race that is that is the one that motivates me the most um i'd say like the three races that i have never done that i that i really really want to do at some point in my career are western states um comrades and you uh sorry not utmb uh hard rock uh those Mm. three are the ones i have never done that i or have never even started that I do want to do at some point in my career. Um, but UTMB motivates me the most. So for all three of those, um, obviously Western States, you want to be competitive this year, but there are different demands. Um, you talk about training for the specific demands of the event. There's, there's different, especially for comrades, right? And then UTMB even more, um, mountainous than Western States. So all of those, do you have like goals in the back of your mind that you want to, you want to win or some of them more for just experience? Like kind of walk me through that a little bit. I want to win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think this is a goal of a lot of us elites is I want to try to be the first runner or ultra runner to win Western States comrades and UTMB. Um, not in the same year, of course, <laughs> cause that would be crazy. <laughs> But uh, over the course of my career, I, I want to win all three of those and, and hard rock as well, you know, and, and I feel like I'm capable and I have the ability to win all three, um, you know, and they'll come at different points in my career, of course. And, but I, I think they can work together. You know, you can, you can build blocks in different ways um, because it's good to kind of go back and forth between runnable blocks and speed-based blocks and mountain blocks, you know, and sometimes the like the runnable blocks are really hard on the body. I think they're more harder on the body than the vert and the mountain blocks. Um, and so sometimes what I like to do is I like to do like a, a super fast runnable block for like a comrades or a, even a Western States, you know, where it's a little bit more runnable. And then I like to use the time after that to play in the mountains and do more of a vert mountain type block and and that's where like a hard rock or a utmb could come into play you know like training for something like that because you can utilize the fitness you built off of the comrades western states block to help get you ready you know for the mountain stuff and so yeah i, I think they all play and, and and there's some shorter races i want to do too and i think the longer ones actually can play with those too you know you you, some of the longer stuff the things the lessons and the things you learn in some of those longer races like a western states or utmb can help you in some of those shorter races like even dropping down to a 30k or you know or 50k you know and sometimes i've had actually amazing performances like for instance in 2019 i ran trans grand canaria i had a pretty bad performance but had a huge mountain block going into that and then a month later, I ran Chuckanut, um, which is a more runnable race. And I think the things and the, maybe the pain that I dealt with and the, the things that I, I learned during the Trans Grand Canaria blocked, 
block helped me, you know, when I dropped down to that 50K because that 50K didn't hurt at all and felt easy because I had already dealt with so much pain in the, in the higher or in the bigger block. And so, yeah, I, I think they can all work together, but I would say those are the races that motivate me. So what you just said is a great segue into this other question that we got. Um, how has your running evolved over the years? And are there any specific lessons like the one you kind of just alluded to that you can share uh, with our audience um, over the course of, of your you know, running history and how has it evolved? Yeah, I would say uh, I was over racing a lot at the beginning of my career, over traveling a lot at the beginning of my career. I wasn't putting in specific blocks. You know, I like a 10 to 12 week training block and I wasn't dedicated or putting in these blocks like I needed to. Um, the training was just kind of everywhere, you know, like and I, I was not necessarily listening to my coach the best and just kind of doing what I wanted to do. And I got myself into a lot of trouble with some of that, even though my coach was trying to like, he was trying to tell me not to race so much. And I was like, nah, I just want to race. I want to travel. Like I'm getting opportunities to go here and here and here. And I had fun traveling the world, but I, I also had a lot of in, like inconsistency with my racing. Um, when I died that down a little bit, I got more consistent and, uh, I also started doing what I love to do instead of doing what everybody else wanted me to do. I started focusing on what do I really want to do? What do I really want to chase? Um, you know, and what's going to motivate me in training because the blocks of training are, are the hardest thing to get through. The race itself is usually pretty easy, you know, but like getting through a block of training, you have to be motivated for 12 weeks, you know, if not longer. And so I started doing what I love to do and what I wanted to do. And that helped me get through my blocks of training better. And uh, that's, that's definitely a lesson I learned over the years. Nice. Yeah, I think that's a lesson that we can all take away, no matter how, how much experience you have. Um, Hayden, I want to get to just a couple of quick hitter questions real, real quick. And then Aaron and I have a, a couple of special questions that we always like to close out the episodes with. So I want to ask you really quickly, um, nutrition right? What, that's a huge part of being an ultra runner on the trails. We spend so much time out there and you need to fuel your body during the efforts. So not just tips, but even like products that you use, um, how have you found success with your nutrition as an ultra runner? Yeah, I use the Unived products. Um, a lot of people have maybe heard of them. Some people probably haven't. Um, Unived, it's an India based company. They're an awesome company to work for and work with and uh, I have a, a product line through them that I've developed over over the years that works really well a drink mix a gel um, they also have like some nut butters and some other products that you can use and they're always innovating and coming out with new things I'm always giving them ideas and they they're kind of working on those um, you know every race is different on what you're gonna do with nutrition of course a faster race like this world record you're gonna do probably more liquid based nutrition uh, more drink mixes and gels. Um, when you go into races like a Hard Rock or a UTMB, you need to start throwing in some food, you know, some some solid food because you're out there for 20 plus hours. And so, I think the biggest thing is you need to practice your nutrition. Um, you need to practice it numerous times, not just one or two times before a race. 
you need to be doing it every week in your block of training. You know, you need to be doing it two to three times a week. You know, I, and that's what I do. And, and I've learned that over the years as I train my stomach and as I, as I work on it during my, uh, my workouts and my long runs throughout the entire 12 week training block, I get to the race and I'm ready because my body's so used to taking it in. And, you know, I, I kind of over train the stomach, if that makes sense. So it's ready for whatever it needs to be taken in. And so like if you're doing a UTMB and you're starting to do real food, you need to be training with real food in your training. And, and, and same thing with a, with a Western States. If it's more of a liquid diet, you need to be doing that. And you need to pay attention to your body and how it responds to certain products you put into it or like maybe I need a little bit more hydration for a certain race. And so I'll I'll test it and be like, okay, how much hydration can I take in before I start getting sick or, you know, and then I, and then I adjust it as needed. And so it's important to train, um, in your practices and do the best with your nutrition. And luckily now I feel like I've got my nutrition completely down. Um, of course it'll adjust a little bit for certain races. Western States is hot. There's going to be a little bit different, than some other races, um, but I will train it, and I work with a nutrition coach uh, on pace wellness, um, and he has really helped me dial in my nutrition, um, not only my race nutrition, but just my everyday nutrition, which has helped me recover faster and be stronger um, on my, in my training. So as I, I think it's important to to work on it um, and do like meeting the demands again. If if you know like western states you need to drop down into a canyon where it's going to get really hot and then climb back out of that canyon you need to practice your nutrition on a similar type of route so go to the grand canyon and practice that you know drop down in and then climb back out of course you're not not everybody has the grand canyon but find a route that's similar because your body's going to react differently on a descent than it is on a climb than it is on a flat and you need to practice it um, on the routes that you do and practice the nutrition in that way as well. I think what you're really hitting home on is prepare for the specific demands of the event, right? And that obviously comes from the fact of like the distance and the terrain, but the nutrition side of it too, because yeah. our stomachs are just as trainable as the rest of our body. So love, love that advice. Um, we have another listener who just really wants to know, when is the stash coming back? Uh, I've had a lot of requests for the stash to come back, so, and I'm talking to two Texas boys right now, so I better bring the stash back, right? <laughs> if I want to come visit you guys in Texas, I got to have a stash. So, uh, Ryan, I, uh, Ryan was rocking a pretty good one for uh, for Bandera. <laughs> okay. Like, there's yeah, exactly. Aaron's yeah. being very generous. No, I think it'll come back. It'll come back for sure. This training block, <laughs> and it'll be there for Western states. You know, I. I felt like I needed to be a little clean, you know, for a road race because, you know, I need to be a, a little bit of a, a, a how would you say, a, Aerodynamic. a proper boy or a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a clean shaven I'm man. Just, <laughs> I'm just jealous because I'm older than both of you and I can't grow a mustache. <laughs> someday, someday, it's okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my my career goal. Uh, no, it's good. Uh, Ryan, any other? I mean, really, the question I always like to ask uh, to kind of cap things off is, you know, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? You know, when you finally hang up the running shoes at age 90, 
and you've you've won the triple crown and you've <laughs> won the grand masters division at all these ultras around the world um you know what do you what kind of legacy do you want to leave for your friends your family and all your you know followers and fans out there yeah you know i I think the most important thing, I don't really care what people think about me. I really don't care about legacy, for instance. I mean, I, I want to do what I love to do and, and be able to spend that those times and those, those quality moments with my family. You know, I have a wife, I have a kid, I have a, a awesome parents, you know, an amazing brother. And I, I want to spend the best, you know, the best years of my life with them and, and, have those experiences with them and uh you know honestly like i want to be known as the guy that never gave up you know the guy that learned from his experiences and and tried his hardest and everything he did he, he shot his shot every single time and sometimes that didn't pan out the way he wanted it to pan out but it it he did it you know he 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 pushed himself to his limits he took risks and he tried his hardest to be the best that he possibly could and he did everything he could with the gifts and the talents that he was given. And I think that's what's most important to me. You know, yesterday I got home from my trip to, to Phoenix and my, my son was here and my parents had watched him while we were in Phoenix. And he had watched the race on, on TV and, you know, on, on the internet. And he's three years old. And he said, you know, Daddy, like, uh, why didn't you finish the race? And, and I had to explain to him, you know, that my legs had given up and that I'd really tried, you know, I'd literally given it everything I could. I, I walked 5K to try to get my legs back. I sat in an aid station for almost 30 minutes trying to get it back, but it, it just would not come back. And I had to explain to him that I, I will never give up, you know, and, and that like, I'm gonna learn from this experience and I'm gonna, you know, be better next time. And, and, and I think that he, he grasped it, you know, and it, it kind of sucks when you're when your son's like, "Why did you give up?" But at the same time, I, I know I gave it everything that I that I had, and I tried my hardest, and there was just nothing I could do, with the physical demands that were that, that happened to me, and 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 I I didn't give up because of, of a mental thing, and so I, I feel good about it, and I was able to explain that to him, and and I think that's who I want to be known as, as the guy that that tries his hardest you know, a good dad, a good, a, a good, you know, husband. And, and those things mean more to me than race wins. Yeah. Hayden, uh, I think all of us on, on this podcast say we're all fathers of sons specifically. So I think if we can all leave a quote unquote legacy, right. And that always, it is a kind of a weird word to think about, but like, you know, have an impact on others in a positive way we want our sons to really chase after their dreams and give it their all and never give up like you're talking about. I definitely want to have that impact on my son, Maverick. And you don't just have that impact on your son. Like those that you coach, Aaron, I'm sure he feels the same exact way. And he fought like hell out there at the Bandera 100K, even with his prep beforehand not being the absolute best. And that's no, no fault. That's nothing to do with your coaching or anything like that. It was just life circumstances. Um, so anyways, um, I love it. You're gonna get me in. You're gonna get me in trouble <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> you're already in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I know. But I think that goes back to doing what you love to do too. You know, we've talked to this. You know, as a coach and, and client, you know, numerous times is, you know, maybe we didn't <laughs> have that in the in the cards. You know, that wasn't the goal. 
but you, you did it anyways. And, and I think uh, you were doing what you love to do. And I think there has to be that in, in running as well. Yeah. And the, the talking about the reactions of, uh, you know, sons, my oldest son, Jack is four. And I came in, I had told him, you know, Hey, I'm going to try to run 62 miles, you know, tomorrow. And so he went to bed and of course I didn't see him at all on, on Saturday and on Sunday morning when he woke up and came into my room, he was like, how far did you run? Did you run 62 miles? I was like, no, I only ran 52 miles. And he said, Whoa, that's still really far. And just those kind of moments, those kind of moments are just like, oh, I'm a dad. Like, you know, it just gets me. But um, last question, Hayden, because we want to be respectful of your time. And we've already went longer uh, than we normally do. But um, uh, I want to ask you, as a person that is often the source of inspiration for other people, uh, being, you, you know, yourself and all that you're doing, you inspire other people to uh, be active, to be fit, you know, to work hard. Um, where are you drawing inspiration from currently uh, that's either in the world in general or specifically something maybe that you've seen in running? And I'll give you an out by saying you don't have to say your family or, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, a, a, like just, you know, where are you finding inspiration in the world uh, right now? Yeah, I mean, when it all boils down to it, it is number one, my family and and my faith, you know, definitely. But to answer your question, um, honestly, I'm just trying to be the best that I can possibly be. And it's like this inner motivation that I've always had where I just have this drive to be the best. And, and you know, it hurts when you fail, but I, I just it never goes away. Like I want to be the best that I can be. And it's this inner force that I, I can't even explain sometimes. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that people find inspiration in it, but I'm not really trying to inspire people. I'm just trying to be me. I'm trying to be the best self, my, 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 my best self. I'm trying to be the best person that I can be. And if that inspires other people, great. I'm, I'm happy, you know, that it inspires people. But that's really all, all it is, is just trying to be myself. And, but I would say like some heroes in, in running um, that, that helped me, you know, to maybe throw out some names and answer that question is I really do find a lot of um, inspiration from my, the people I compete against. You know, my competitors, uh, Jim Walmsley, I find a lot of inspiration in him and what he's doing and how he's trying to be his best self and I can never let my guard down because I know if I want to be beat Jim or be able to run with him and compete with him I need to be my best self and so he's always inspiring me on how I can push myself to another limit and how I can you know challenge those things um you know Francois Dehaene, Killian Journey, Pau Capel all these guys that I've ran against they inspire me and I even though I want to beat them and I want to be the best <laughs> out of all of that group, they inspire me to be better. And, uh, and I take inspiration from their training and, and what they do. Um, outside of the ultra world, I would say like Sarah Hall and Ryan Hall have been my heroes for many, many years. When I, when I first got into long distance running, Ryan Hall was my hero not just because of his running 
and who he was and the records he was breaking. Um, but I kind of saw myself in him, like, like we're built very similar. We come from similar backgrounds, his faith, you know, his, his faith had real, has really inspired me over the years because I'm the same. I, like, I, I really gravitate towards my faith and, and it, it means a lot to me. And so Ryan and, and who he is as an individual and as a person, and now as a father, really inspires me a ton and Sarah the same way you know what she's accomplishing now her faith her her drive as a mother I really look up to them a lot and uh, they they inspire me a ton on on who I want to be such a great answer Ryan Hall is a huge inspiration his book run the mile you're in I don't know if you guys have read that but it's a fantastic book that gives insight into everything that you just said so it's awesome but we uh hayden are inspired by you uh and really appreciate you joining us uh for this podcast just to give us insight into all that's going on in your world i don't take it for granted that you that you get to be my coach or that i get to be your athlete it means a lot to me and obviously two years ago and you've helped me a lot. So we really appreciate uh, you joining us. And um, uh, as a, as one of your athletes, I, I appreciate all the insight you've given me. Are you currently accepting athletes or, um, you know, taking on any new clients right now? No, currently not taking on clients. Uh, you know, that might change as, as stuff happens over, you know, the next year and stuff, but I'm pretty busy as a, as a coach right now. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I'm trying to chase my dreams and running, being a dad and a, um, and a husband as well, you know, that takes a part of my life and, and then the coaching. So I have to balance it. And, and I also like to give my clients that I do coach the time that they deserve and make sure that I, I'm invested in them. So yeah, currently I, I'm not taking athletes right now, but you know, that might change. Um, and I'll, I'll let people know probably on my, my Instagram or something like that, if I'm accepting people, um, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoy coaching and it's, it's definitely a passion of mine. For sure. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much for spending uh, the time with us. And we look forward not only to uh, Western States, but UTMB again, world record attempts again. And, uh, and hopefully uh, you two will definitely be there. Hopefully we'll all three be at Western States uh, here in June. So uh, thanks so much, Hayden, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And can't wait to run with you at Western States, Ryan. Me too, Hayden. Talk to you later.